Thank you for listening to Drinking with Authors. This podcast contains adult themes, adult language, adult subjects, including alcohol, sex, and solipsistic existential nihilism. Now we ask if you are drinking along with us to please drink and listen responsibly. Thank you. Okay, welcome to another edition of Drinking with Authors. Woo! Yay! With us today, amazingly and fun, is Winter Daniels. Woo! Who has a tremendous amount of books. I'm, I just want to start with I'm super jealous of that, but I have to finish my intro. Okay, so um, I'm your host, Erica Lance, and with me? J.M. Paquette. Yay! And Winter Daniels, thank you for being on the show. First, we go over what we're drinking. I did something fun today. I have botanical gin and Perrier pink grapefruit. That sounds awful in every way. Healthy. First of all, it's healthy and refreshing. Okay. JM, you are a terrible human being because I you can't drink it anyway, so you are not a good person to judge. I am drinking coffee right now, and it's delightful. Oh, boring. Okay. Winter, what are you drinking with us? Uh, I am drinking my version of a Quarantini, which is Ooh. elderberry syrup and red wine. Oh, now I'm a little jealous of my beverage. I'm that sounds much more exciting than whatever magic you have going. Listen, <laughs> we're in the time of COVID. Doesn't mean you have to be so judgmental of drinks you can't have. Oh, okay, no. I'm just jealous. No. You are jealous. <laughs> look, you look jealous. Anyway, okay, so let's begin. So you, you're a writer. You're an author. You're a very published author. You have many, many books that smell of rich mahogany. And no, just kidding. <laughs> tell, tell us about your writing, because when I was when I was doing my research on you, you are like cross genre extraordinaire a little bit. So tell us a little bit about you. Thank you. Um, it's been sort of a progression. Um, most recently, I'm actually a publisher as well. Um, my friend Catherine Keene and I, um, about two years ago, started uh, Cat, uh, CPC Publishing. And what we put out is um, one series, which is uh, the Cat's Paw Cove series. Cool. And we have about 13 authors who write under us uh, in that series. So that's how we became publishers. That is awesome. Um, ironically enough, me and Jen are also publishers under Four Horsemen Publications. Oh, cool. We're, yeah, yeah. We just started in mainly in the last year, but that I that's awesome. I, um, I'm assuming you started uh, public, uh, being a publisher because of what's out there as far as being publishers go. <laughs> yeah, um, I've, I've kind of been through, I've been through many, many publishers. Um, I started writing probably about, um, about 20 years. Well, I mean, I started like when I was a kid, you know, writing poetry, which was bad poetry, um, teenage angsty, you know, poetry. Those are um, our favorite kinds of poetry. When we're yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then in college I started a murder mystery that might've been good, except I saved it on a floppy disk, um, put it away. And I, you know, who can open a floppy disk now, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but um, so years later, I was in a job. I was getting kind of bored. Uh, it was I was working in a real estate office, uh, sort of like the office manager person. And um, I was just kind of bored. So I started just playing around writing again. And I entered a contest and I won the contest for that genre. And I ended up getting a... Um, a contract with uh, the Wild Rose Press. Oh, cool. Wow, that's awesome. So, And that was in the erotic category. Um, funny story with that. Oh, uh, so my, tell, so you it, tell. It, it ends up being my first published book, and my critique partner actually was one of the other winners. There were, um, there were three winners in the erotic category. So there was my book, my critique partner's book, which I had read, and this other lady's book, and none of it, we hadn't read that. So the book comes out. Of course, I order like, you know, 50 copies in print because it's my first book and I'm so excited. 
And my mother says, oh, I want 10. You know, I want them to send them to my friends. And, you know, my mother's pretty cool. So I was like, all right, you know, just know that it's, you know, it's erotic stuff. Still haven't read the other story that I didn't know. So I send it to my mother. <laughs> she calls me about a week after I send it to her. And she said, did you read that other story? I said, no. And she said, well, it's all about, there's all this anal sex and there's all this stuff. And I have sent this to 10 of my friends. And I said, I guess one of us should have read the damn story, you know? Well, you said, said it was erotica. Just to staple that one shut. It was, it's in the middle. And my mother said, yeah, and that'll be the first thing they read. Oh my goodness. So I just, I just, I just imagine the call. Go ahead, Jen. I said, you're just expanding horizons. Yes. Yes. I think I did expand some horizons, you know, unwittingly. (laughs) Expanded something. All right. (laughs) So I ended up, I did, I did continue with Wild Rose Press for um, a couple of years and did a bunch of stuff for them. And then uh, my critique partner was actually, I, I don't think my stuff actually really was erotic. Honestly, after after reading that third story, I was like, okay, this this is erotic stuff, not not what I'm writing. Um, so I worked with um, my critique partner, and she was published with uh, Alora's Cave. And I sent them a query, and I didn't hear back, and didn't hear back. And then one day, I'm cleaning out my spam folder, and I find a letter from an Alora's Cave editor that was like six months earlier, who said she wanted to publish one of my stories. I was like, damn it. So I contacted the lady and I said, is it too late? And she said, no, no. And I told her what had happened. So I ended up uh, writing for Laura's Cave for a long time. I had about 20 books with them. Um, and that was very lucrative until Laura's Cave crashed and burned. Um, and then let's see. I also was published with Red Sage Publishing, which also they did um, at the time. They were one of the few... Um, print publishers that was doing um, erotic stuff. And then I don't know how I sort of, I transitioned into some less erotic stuff. I started doing a little bit of paranormal stuff. I went to an RWA conference in Atlanta with a bunch of friends and we drove there. I'm in uh, central Florida. So it was a pretty, pretty good drive. And we started talking about doing a book together, but we all wrote different genres. So we decided we would have one theme running through it and we would do these different genres and we created the jewel box um, anthologies. And it would start with my friend, Catherine Keene, who I ended up, you know, who's my, now my partner. She would start in medieval times and then it would go to um, Carol Carson, good friend of mine who won the Rita a few years ago, won a Rita a few years ago. And she, uh, she did a pirate story. And then our friend, uh, Teresa, Teresa, excuse me, Teresa Elliott Brown would do a story set in like the 1920s. And then I did the contemporary story and wrapped up the whole, the whole series. Um, So we did a couple of those books and we all just got kind of busy and we were doing other things. Um, I was published with uh, uh, Entangled Publishing for a while, did uh, a short series for them, ended up taking back one of them um, because they just kind of dragged their feet for a while on, on that last book in the series. So my agent got it back for me. And, you know, with, uh, with self-publishing, I, <clears throat> my husband will tell you I'm a control freak and <laughs> I really do. And he may or may not be right. <laughs> I was going to say that's, that's actually kind of the perfect person to ask that particular question. Yes, it is. <laughs> <clears throat> so, um, <clears throat> since Catherine and I had written together before and we're good friends. Uh, she's probably one of the few people in this world that I could have partnered with. Um, we just have a meeting of the minds and the things that I don't like to do. She doesn't mind doing the things that she's not good at, you know, that sort of thing. Um, I'm pretty good at, so it's worked pretty well. So we actually co-wrote <clears throat> the first book in the series and that was a first for both of us. Um, a, a chapter she would write a chapter I would write a chapter so I was writing from the heroine's point of view and she was writing from the hero's point of view and it was such a great experience uh, we, we really really loved it so we decided to continue on with that that book was um, 
A witch in time. I have to remind myself. <laughs> you have so many. So I, I do. Like, I have let a me go book. through my entire library behind me, and <laughs> all of these are mine. <laughs> How many titles have you published? Like, do you what's the do you know the number altogether? I know it's more than I saw twenty five just doing research. I want to say probably about probably about thirty to thirty five. Okay. Something like That's... that. Um, a couple of them are no longer published. Um, some of them I don't. Uh, the early ones I kind of don't claim. <laughs> <laughs> they could go off into the night, by the yes, way. yes, they they could. They gladly could. Um, some of them I, I've repackaged, like all my Alora's Cave books. I've packaged into a couple collections. So um, I think I had about twenty books with Alora's Cave. So those are in. I now have a self-published uh, collection called Shades of Sexy, and that has like six. And then I have, um, let's see, I have a couple collections out there uh, that are just, you know, collections of my Alora's Cave stuff. So people are are kind of surprised sometimes that because what I'm writing now is more sweet. It's a uh, bedroom door is, it might be cracked open a little bit, but it's not like wide open like it used to be in most of my books. Um, and I, I'm definitely enjoying, um, I'm definitely enjoying writing paranormal. There's, you know, if something doesn't work, it's okay. You just bring in some magic and you make it work. <laughs> kind of love that. <laughs> no, that's true. JM writes uh, paranormal vampire just romance. Just change the rules. Yeah, yes. exactly. I love that. I love that, you know, that we have the option in paranormal, you know? So when did you, um, I'm assuming you are a full-time, using quotations, full-time writer. When did that occur? Um, well, I told, when I was, uh, when I first started writing and I got that, you know, contract and of course, none of that was lucrative enough to replace my salary. But, uh, at, at that time, um, I was having some problems in that job. Uh, I had been working for a, a good friend of mine and we had a falling out. So going to work every day was a little painful because um, we were in just like this one big room and we were sort of right next to each other. And it was it was stressful. So I came home one day and my husband who's in law enforcement uh, said, you know, I don't want you to get to, the, you know, when you're 70, 80 years old and have all these coulda, shoulda, wouldas. He said, I have an opportunity to work. Um, to work security at a college and I could do that part-time and we can, you know, basically we can replace that income. So why don't you just go for it? Well, that's like, awesome. Wow. Yeah, sure. I'll do it. So, um, we've been doing that ever since. Um, and I don't think either one of us has any regrets. I think that's awesome. I think that a little bit, you know, when we, we talk about writing and writing full time and all of that stuff, which I think is a lot of, um, our goals, not everybody's goal, but a lot of our goals. It's it's very cool to come up, um, talk about the unsung heroes behind us yes. that are willing to also make the sacrifices for our, for our art. We make sacrifices for our art, mm -hmm. but there is a lot of times, you know, there's always that phrase behind every strong man or successful man is a strong woman. You know, that phrase, I feel like a lot of times behind every stay at home author, there's that support yeah. system, at least initially that helps you make that transition and mm -hmm. helps make that happen. Because I, I think it would be almost impossible to do without that. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, it would be for me, it would be for most of the people I know in this business. I agree a thousand percent. I think yeah, it's, it's not an easy way to make a living. <laughs> no, but you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. It, it falls into the starving artist category. You know, people Absolutely. think of painters and sculptors and stuff, but writers, there's probably more writer starving artists out there than probably almost any other kind of artist. Yes, absolutely. You know, the passion. I think that's awesome. So you, you said you started writing, you know, your angsty poetry, which all, by the way, I think almost every author to some degree has that angsty teenage poetry, yeah. which I think we should all just gather it together and put it in a collection called, you probably don't want to read this, but here's our <laughs> angsty teenage poetry. Like literally, I think that would be an epic title and just get all yeah. your author's friends to submit their, their most angsty teenage poetry. Yeah, definitely. You know, and you know, have well, I think, you know, it comes down to writers have to write, you know, and I think most of us find that, um, 
you know, we find an outlet for that pretty early in life, you know? I, I agree. And I think you get better. That's the, that is one message that pervades no matter what. Yeah. You get better with everything you write. So yeah. It doesn't matter absolutely. what you're writing, whether it's a short story, poetry, um, uh, whatever genre you write, you get better. Um, mm -hmm. hopefully I'm sure there's some exceptions to that rule. I've seen some self-published stuff on Amazon, so I'm going to, mm. yeah, <laughs> I think it, it's just, you have to keep going and you have to keep doing it. And I, I often say, don't look back. Don't look back. Cause if you yeah. look back, you're going to want to pull that thing out and re redo it and redo it and redo it over and over again. I think Absolutely. if you pull your first works out that you did, mm -hmm. um, that you said are hidden beneath in some dungeon somewhere locked behind a dragon. I assume yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> if, if somebody was to pull that out, you'd want to be like, I am redoing this for the 20th anniversary <laughs> of this book. <laughs> so, um, okay. Let's talk a little bit about your writing, um, style. Like how, how do you write? Like, are you a pantser? Are you a plotter? Are you a, cause you used to write erotica a lot more and now you're writing more sweet romance. I think that's what it's called, right? Jen? Sweet romance. Yeah, sweet romance. Yeah. Close sweet the door or, or mostly shut the door. Right? Yeah. So sweet romance. What is your, how, how do you come up with your ideas for your books? Where does talk to me about everything? I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I had some early editors that were just, I think every, every book that they edited for me, I, there was a takeaway for me. There was a, Oh, I didn't realize I did that. And also I think critiquing with someone, um, years ago when I first, uh, I was actually Katie Reyes's, um, mentor in our local, um, writers group. And she and I critiqued together for a really long time. Uh, well, not really long, probably about five years or so. We, at the time we lived close to each other and we would, we could do a lot in person and, I think the best way to see your own writing ticks and the things that you're doing wrong is to read somebody else's writing and find it in theirs. And you're like, Oh shit, I do that too. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about that. I have a problem with nodding and shrugging and Erica's characters are always realizing things. <laughs> yeah. Those are our city things. And, um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I, it's interesting. Your little quirks when you see that and you go, Oh, damn it, I do that. Go back and look for it. Yeah. Is there anything you do that every time you look at your manuscript, you go back and you search for it or you, you know? Um, I do, yes. I have some overused words. Okay. Like uh, which ones? Oh, actually is a bad one. <laughs> Um, but I, you know, I use Grammarly. So Grammarly, of course, is, is like, you know, slapping my hand every time I use that. Um, that helps a lot. It calls it calls me out on a lot of uh, crutch words that I use. Um, hmm, let's see what else. I, I have done some realizing. Yeah, there's yeah, that. There's, uh, I think it's a, a very well-known thing that everybody realizes stuff in stories. Yes, I realize <laughs> that we do do that. Yes. Um I don't know. I, you know, I'm, I think I kind of feel like I have mastered a lot of those, those early ticks, but you know, certain, just the crutch words continue. And it's just when you're writing quickly, you know, it, it's almost like a stream of consciousness sometimes, you know, and that's why I go back of course. And, um, you know, I, I do a dirty, dirty first draft and I don't, get rid of a lot. I know some people who will, you know, they elim they'll eliminate thousands and thousands of words um, when they go back and, and uh, do a rewrite. I almost never do that. I don't like killing my babies. I really don't. It, it <laughs> just really bothers me. <laughs> how long does it take you to write? Like what's your, or how do you, how do you lay it out? Like a um, couple hours a day or a couple of, well, Normally I have, I write, I'll write about four hours a day and I try to write seven days a week. Um, lately, I don't know where the muse went because here, you know, we're home, we have to be home, but I think there's just, there's too much news going on and I worry about stuff. And my husband is a first responder. So, um, I worry about him. My son is, is a pharmacy tech. I worry about him. So 
that all of that has really kept the muse uh, from playing with me for I, sh I should have been so productive this whole time. And I think I've written like 2000 words in the last couple weeks, which is really very slow for me. Normally I'll do I'll do my first draft in, in about two months, generally. Um, and I have been working on this one book, which I, I love the book. But I stopped at about 20,000. I, I hit 20,000 words. My daughter got married the end of February, just in time um, for all of us to have gone to her wedding. And then they went on a, on a cruise right after that, also just in time. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I think getting ready for the wedding, I, I kind of stopped writing at that point because I had family coming into town. And I, I think I stopped at about 20,000. And I'm only like it. 26,000 now. So the wedding was in February. Uh, so I have really, my, my productivity is so, is way below what it should be. I couldn't tell you what the hell I'm doing all day long, but I'm not doing very much writing, but I am forcing myself <laughs> the last week or so I am forcing myself to open up that manuscript every day and sit in front of it for at least an hour. And that has, um, I have been able to get some more words, but normally when we're not, you know, stuck at home, I think I probably do about uh, an, an average of about four hours a day. That's very cool. I mean, to have that sort of diligence, I mean, I think all of us go through periods of um, what I would like to call writer's block. It's funny because growing up, I always felt writer's block was you'd sit in front of a typewriter and you couldn't think of any words and stuff like that. And I don't, I don't feel like that's actually a fair description of writer's block for mm -hmm. authors. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. yeah. I think it's, it's very much if you're, if you're too tired or you're too stressed out or you have too mm -hmm. much attention on something in the world, um, it can very much make it unable to create because it's a creation, create the story. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't ever, I'm, suffer from coming up with ideas, but sitting down and not having sort of the rest of the world come in and be like, I, we need your attention, you know? Right. And yeah, that's definitely what's going on right now, you know? Yeah. So, um, what is the book you're working on about? The book I'm working on right now, um, we all have like our own series within the Cat's Buck Cove series. Um, this will be my fourth book in that, my fourth independently written book in that series. It's called Charming the Skeptic, and it's about a book charmer, and she can jump inside any book and become part of it. What? That's awesome. That cool? Have you um, read the Inkheart series? Because that it, he brings books to life in that. Um, oh, okay. That's just what it made me think of, and that was such a cool idea. And then, um, so she jumps in. That's fun. I want to go into stories. I want that superpower. Okay, I I'm know, that and that's what you know. Everybody I've told that to. Every reader is like, "Ooh, I want to do that." Uh, and she has this cat that's very mischievous that comes with her, and he screws things up, which is kind of based on the kitten that my new kitten. Um, and the hero is—he's <clears throat> basically a professional debunker. Oh. So, <clears throat> he is, he actually had at the very beginning, the first, uh, in, in the prologue, he's a kid in the prologue and he has an experience when he's staying at his grandmother's and he sees her, um, he Jump sees deep. her cure, sort of cure, give, give a, a lady who is, has a curse on her and she's cursed to be a werewolf. He is supposed to be watching TV and he sneaks into the room and he sees his grandmother give this lady a potion, give this wolf a potion and okay. she's no longer. So he, it scares him to death. He calls his mom to come and get him. He never sees his grandmother again. And when he grows up, he becomes a scientist because a scientist knows that, you know, there are universal rules and, and this is how things function. And he can never be scared again because, and his mother tells him, you know, you imagined it. Um, his mother actually knows better, but she tells him that he's imagined this. So okay. he becomes a scientist and eventually he's, he's on this show, uh, that debunks all these hauntings. Okay. So his show is going to be canceled. So he decides he doesn't want to go back to Florida because that's where this happened. So he, he's living in LA and he tell when the, they tell him that the show is canceled, he says, well, I, I'm, I'm going to make this great finale and hope hopes that, um, 
you know, it'll, it'll restart the show. Okay. So he is going to go to this bookstore where this, this woman is the manager and he is going to debunk the haunting because the place is actually haunted. So that's how I, you know, that's how they first meet up. Well, they first meet up. Actually, he, he crashes into her. She's riding her bike and he crashes into her. But, um, you know, it's a hell of a first meeting. So that's what yeah. the book is about. Having fun with it. I'm having fun with it. I just have to, like you said, it's kind of like a writer's block just because of all the shit that's going on right now. It's, yeah. I don't know. Are you guys able to write right now? I am, but I write horror. So... You're inspired. Oh, that's perfect. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of inspired by what's going on right now. I mean, that sounds terrible, but you know, when you write horror, you're kind of like, yes. Yeah. That's you know, I think, I'm sure you get plenty of inspiration from these, you know, these daily briefings, you know, that's pretty, that's horror right there. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I work in um, human resources as my day job right now, and I, I haven't been able to quite make the transition to full-time writer. And uh, it was very hard at first because that's what I was dealing with, is I was dealing with the 1,000 employees. We d- were all working from home. We did that very early on as a company. But mm-hmm. it definitely made it a lot harder, and it made me realize that as much as people go, well, just go sit down and write. Like, sometimes I need to just – sit down and not have anything having to do with COVID or yeah. Corona, you know, like yeah. I just need to not even think about it, not because it's just there. It's, it's, it's interesting. And I, I know we need to take a break here in a second, but one of the things I realized about this that I think is actually really hard for people is there's no visual component to this besides the statistics online. Yeah. Like we're That's a very invisible. visual yeah, it's an mm-hmm. invisible thing because if you think about it, like you think about TV shows and or the description of a grenade, a grenade doesn't have an explosion. It doesn't have fire. It's literally shrapnel and it pops. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not this big like that they always put in the um, movies. And they do that because we want a visual thing to show us that something exploded. If it was a normal grenade, nobody would be like, oh, there was a grenade. You know, we want yeah. this thing and i think with this people are wanting to be able to look at somebody and see red spots on their skin or something that goes you have corona right yeah or have people walk around i mean for lack of a better word leprosy that was good because you could look at somebody and go they're a leper you know yeah and you can't do that with this so instead it's this thing that you can't put any visual tangible thing to and you can't know if you're safe because you you know, you're safe in your home, but at the same time, all of us are getting Amazon deliveries every day. I know this because yeah. I was woken up by my Amazon delivery today. So <laughs> you you have that. And I think that that makes it a, like a level more stressful because. Yeah, I also think that 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 kind of contributes to a lot of people not believing that this is like a, a serious thing is that there is no visual component to it. I think yeah. one of. That's a part of my, I haven't written a whole lot, but part of my issue is I feel like I have no deadlines anymore. Like I still do, but working from home, there's nobody telling me like you have to do this. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems like days just run into one another and you get a lot of like, oh, well, I'll do it later. Why? Because I have nothing else to do. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that hundred percent. Okay. We're going to take a quick uh, break for the listeners out there and we will be right back with Winter Daniels. This is the voice of Drinking With Authors. You are at our commercial break, and our commercial is, hey, do you want to be a guest on our show? Or do you have a question for one of the guests on our show? Or do you have a brilliant drink recipe that we've never heard of? That would have to stump us. But you could reach us at drinkingwithauthors at gmail.com or on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. You can direct message or even just leave a comment on one of our posts. We would absolutely love to hear from you. Going from um, the smut to closing the door. What, um, as an erotica writer as well, I, I enjoy the door being wide open. As a matter of fact, all the windows should be open too. But um, <laughs> what made you decide to um, close them? Um, you know, I think it started with when I, I started writing the jewel box um, 
the jewel box anthologies with uh, some other authors. And, um, I was, I was the only one who wrote really hot stuff. So we decided we would keep all that at a PG 13 level. And Your story I was still was writing 200 words long. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, now I was still writing for entangled and that stuff was definitely much hotter. Um, but I think when I started, right, well, I wrote for uh, Kristen Painter's Nocturne Falls Universe for a while. And she insists on a, um, or she, her, all her books are like a PG-13. They have heat, but they're not, you know, it's definitely closed door sort of thing. Um, so, and that, that was an opportunity I couldn't pass up. So I wrote uh, about six books in her world. And then I, I pretty much moved the last book, um, Courting the Cat Whisperer, led into our new series. So I just wanted to keep that consistent. And, you know, I'm not closing the door on, you know, writing erotic. Um, you know, there, there might be a time that I do that again, but right now for the series that I'm writing and the last series that I was doing, um, the PG-13 sort of level was, it's almost somewhere between PG-13 and R, I would say. Um, that That's just sort of where I fell into. And you know, readers have expectations. If they're reading this series and they like this series, that's kind of what they want you to continue doing. So that's what I've done. Now, my street team started with me. Almost everybody on my street team started with me when I was writing really hot stuff. And they love the real hot stuff, but they've also sort of come on board with um, with the new series. So you write different levels, but all under the same name. Did you have any fans that were expecting more more visual opening of the door or well was there any kickback if, if there were um they never said anything to me um actually when i first started writing i was writing under uh, a different name and i changed it to winter daniels um because well my daughter was in school she was she was let's see my son was in high school my daughter was in just barely starting just before she had started like late elementary school and um my daughter brought a friend over one day. I have all my my um, book covers up on the wall above my desk. And, uh, well, not all of them. I have a lot of them. <laughs> my daughter would bring her friends into the room and she would say, these are my mom's porn covers. <laughs> like, okay, that's not good. Oh, um, but she was kind of proud of it, you know. And then when her, she went to a small charter school and we knew all the teachers and I, you know, she was writing something. I was giving her scrap paper and she's writing stuff. And then I get a call from her, her science teacher. And he says, um, you might want to look at what your, the papers that you're giving her to use as scrap paper. And I said, what? Because apparently she turned something in and it, there was a, an erotic scene on the other side of it <laughs> that I had printed out for editing. <laughs> that is wonderful <laughs> oh my goodness it probably made grading science homework a lot more exciting that day I, I would hope <laughs> <laughs> I want to be that teacher making that call because how do you <laughs> hi um Mrs. Daniels <laughs> I'm not sure where scrap paper comes from your house but yeah um, no, that I, I think that makes sense. Have you so you talked about writing a murder mystery though? So mystery is mm -hmm. an interesting uh, genre because uh, the more and more I'm talking to other authors, especially on this podcast, I I, I don't think about it because mystery like I do suspense and horror under one name and I do erotica under another name, but mm -hmm. says mystery, true mystery, that actually seems to be a very particular talent. I think every genre is a talent, but mm -hmm. mystery is a lot of going forward, backwards, forward, backwards, forward, backwards, instead yeah. of just, um, you know, story progression. You have to do that a little bit with suspense too, you know, the little dropping of breadcrumbs, mm -hmm. but I don't think it's many as many tied off with the bows that you have to do in mystery. Yeah. What and is you your feeling? It's, I think it's harder to write on a, in a linear basis when you are not writing or when you're writing mysteries. I think you do have to do that back and forth thing. And I'm, I'm a very linear writer, so it is hard. And I, ha I have one book. Um, it's a, um, it's with Karina Press. And that one was a, um, that's a romantic suspense. And there's, there's some mystery in there. And I did have to do some backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards. And I did... I found it a little bit challenging. 
Is that so, been your most challenging writing is trying to write the mystery versus? Um, yeah, probably. And, you know, most of my books have, particularly now with writing, um, writing uh, paranormal, there's almost always a suspense component to it. And sometimes there's a little bit of a mystery component, but I don't like it to be a whole big long mystery just because I don't like doing that back and forth. And I feel like there's an, there is an art to that um, and making it believable and not like, Oh, I stuck this in at the last minute, you know, <laughs> I'm really tired of this back and forth crap. I'm going linear. <laughs> I mean, I love reading that stuff. One of the first um, authors that I really, really loved when I first started really getting into reading I love Agatha Christie. I absolutely love her stuff. My husband and I are watching all these series right now, these uh, Agatha Christie series on TV. Um, and I really love that stuff. But I think, and I almost always figure it out, um, which really pisses my husband off because I, I probably need to keep my mouth shut when I figure it out. But um, <laughs> I ruin it for him. <laughs> but it is, it's hard to do and make it believable. So how do you begin like the story you're working on now did you start with an idea or a plot line or a character like you said you're a linear writer but how do you how do you begin the story i i think i i mean my process varies sometimes depending on the book i'll get an idea like for this one i just thought as a reader how cool would it be the idea that somebody could become part of a book um and I think I just kind of went with that idea and went with that character. And I, I was thinking about her as I was writing the previous book. So I, you know, I did uh, reference her a little bit in the previous, cause I, I like in the series, I, you know, I like building on, on the previous books. So often, particularly in this series, when I'm writing paranormal, I like to do all kinds of different paranormal gifts. So I had like in the series, in the Nocturne Falls universe and Kristen Painter's world, I had um, a Kachina healer. I had um, a fortune teller. The first book was The Fortune Teller's Folly. And it was, um, I basically made up my own myth, but I based it upon um, this fortune telling bird that was a, an Indian myth and made her of, of Indian descent. And, uh, a lot of times, I, I just, I like the premise of something, and I'll, I'll start with that, and then that'll lead me to character. And then that character will lead me to how their story unfolds. Very That's my process. Do you ever actually plot, like, sit down and write the the chapter outlines or any, are you any kind of a plotter? Because it sounds like you're a I am absolutely a plotter. I, I think when I first started, I was a bit of a pantser, and... I don't know how pantsers don't go off on a million tangents because that was what I did. I went no, we off do. on all <laughs> these tangents. <laughs> you just save that scene for later or a different story. <laughs> I actually, you know what I basically my, my standard process is everybody who, who writes for us, they kind of come to me to hone their, their blurbs. Um, I'm very good at writing a blurb. Often that's the very first thing I, I actually, I mean, I'm thinking about character. I'm thinking about uh, their conflict, but the first thing I write is the blurb. Then I take that blurb from that blurb. I write a little character sketch on each of the characters. And then I start writing a detailed synopsis and I can't write, I might write the first scene and then hone that, you know, make some changes to that synopsis, but I've got to have that synopsis or else, um, I'm, I'm very ADD and you just asked my husband cause I had to stop taking the medication for it recently. And he's like, Oh my God, you're going in every direction. Um, you know, squirrel over there. So I really, really have to have a roadmap or I will go all over the place. No, it makes total sense. I'm, I'm, uh, it's interesting for me, for my, um, erotica stuff, I'm a hundred percent a pantser, 100%. <laughs> I write down, maybe some, uh, chapter ideas, but not like, it's not, it's like one sentence just to kind of go, Hey, here's wow. a bunch of ideas, grab the idea and put it in the next chapter. Hmm. Absolutely do that. When it comes to the horror though, and as horror suspense, I have to be a little bit more of a plotter. 
Oh, that's because, interesting. Yeah, because I, I, I don't know. That's I think all of us have different sort of methodologies to doing it. And I think for writers out there, um, mine's changed. I'm sure yours has changed. Yeah. What you said. Um, and I think that it's different. It's interesting as an author, if you can listen to other people's ideas and even try them a little bit to see if mm-hmm. it tweaks your ability to get through the actual writing of a story. Cause I think some people want to cling to, I'm going to be a pantser. I'm going to be a plotter. And I think when somebody writes 30,000 words to a plot, to a story, that's going to be a 60,000 word story. Like mm-hmm. to me, I'm like, what in the crap sticks are you doing? Like, I totally understand world building and keeping track of the world and making notes on interrelationships and powers that you give people. Like, I'm Mm -hmm. totally on board with your world building Bible, whether that's in a spreadsheet or on an actual book on your or a bunch of pages or some Mm -hmm. workboard notes, whatever. But when somebody tells me, oh, yeah, no, I wrote a 30,000 word synopsis for my 65 or 70,000 word story, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, that's like a gigantic waste. Yeah, of I don't time. I don't go that far. I would say my synopses are maybe like three pages long. Mm. So I don't do like tremendous detail. I don't go into every detail of, of a, you know, each each scene, each each uh, chapter. But I do sometimes if I I do sometimes veer off just a little bit because I'll realize, oh, that's not going to work like that. And then I have to go back and I have to, you know, change the change the synopsis. But I just get really lost if I don't have that synopsis. But it's not a huge, you know, it's maybe 5,000 words. So I can't imagine writing a 30,000 word, <laughs> even a 20,000 word synopsis. No, I just, just uh, call it a book. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we can call it a novelette and we can yeah. publish it at that point. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about, so you've gone through a very interesting um, publishing journey because you were a traditionally published author first. Yes. Right. And for mm-hmm. a period of time, um, what fully made you make the switch to independent and then um, become the publisher yourself? So let's talk mm-hmm. about that that transition. Um, yeah. So I, I call myself I'm a hybrid author. I mean, I, um, you know, I think part of it is that the industry has changed so much. And when I first started years ago, there you absolutely had to be with one of the big publishers and that was absolutely everybody's goal. And then these little e-publishers came in. Um, and it was, I think it was sort of like a shortcut in and it it was for me. Uh, but I, I mean, I always had in mind getting with a, a regular, you know, a big, bigger publisher. And I actually got, I signed with, um, Karina press the day after I got an agent. So she took that over for me and then she actually got me into Entangled. And Entangled went through a whole lot of changes in the time that I was there. And they, I think a lot of publishers tend to um, throw most of their resources into their top money makers. And if you're not one of their top money makers, you know, you're, you're sort of on the, on the B list. You, you don't get many, you don't get much of the resources and you don't get a lot of like your, you might not get the time slots with your editor that you want. And I had a series of, I actually sold them just the the one book. And then, um, I, I had written up a proposal for a second one. My agent said, let's, let's do this. Let's do two. Let's do two more. So you'll have a three book, um, a three book series. So I did those and sold those. But what they did was I was, my books were put, my second book was put on the back burner and there were two years between my first book in the series and my second book. And I was like, you know, I I made half on the second book, what I've made on the first and I should have made more, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then, and I had turned everything in on time. I mean, I'm like really a stickler for deadlines. I turned in my third book and Um, my editor had, she had some issues, she had some problems and she kept, I I was really, again, I was pushed to the back. And, um, at at one point I realized it was going to be more than two years between book two and book three. And I called my, my agent. And by this time we were, you know, self-publishing was starting and, um, well, it was actually well underway. And I, I just said to my agent, this is, 
this is going to suck for me. You know, there's no continuity. I don't have any of this, um, you know, the, the, what you would get from having a series release, you know, pretty quickly. And I've turned in all my books and they're just, they're not upholding their end. She said, you're absolutely right. Let's take it back. Um, but I had, I, I think it was my Karina book. I had a new editor and she, she, <laughs> she sent me my book back after like the first round of edits. And she said, I color code everything. So, you know, if I highlight something in green, it means this. If I highlight it in pink, it means that. I got this book back and it looked like a rainbow had thrown up on every page. I was like, you, you gotta be kidding me. There was, there was something in every single paragraph. Oh my and gosh. this was, this was an 80,000 word book. This, and it was, Oh wow. And she was late on everything. So then my, my time that I had to do those edits was shortened tremendously because she was late. So I spoke to the, um, to uh, Angie James, who at the time was the, uh, was the editor in chief of Karina and, or actually I had my, my agent did it. And I said, this is crazy. So I ended up getting a different, uh, a different editor, but it just, it wasn't a great experience. And again, I, I am a control freak and I had very little control with that book. And with Entangle, I had a fabulous editor, but she had some issues and what I didn't have control over was the length of time in between each, you know, when each book was uh, was being released. And at the same, at, when all that was happening, Dolores Cave was crashing and burning. And I saw the writing on the wall, and I asked for all my rights back. And thankfully, that was a, they gave me the rights back to all my books. Um, and I was also actually I've had many publishers. I was also with Loose Id, and. Um, Lucid, I asked for, for the rights back to that book as well. And they, you know, gave me no problem getting them back. And I thought, okay, self-publishing is really starting to, to do something. I'm, I'm just going to try it. And I put one book that I had not sold to a publisher that I really liked. My street team really liked it. Uh, I put that one up and it did pretty well. And then I had um, an erotic interracial nanny story that I put up and it, you know, it sold okay. And then I think there was just not much in at the time there wasn't much in interracial erotic and i was remember looking at my amazon numbers one day and this was probably like maybe 10 years ago and my sales just started going through the roof on that book i was like oh damn this is where i need to be <laughs> so <laughs> and at the, you know i was doing for a short time that was sort of my niche i was i was doing like erotic interracial stuff and i i actually stopped doing that, but I have quite a few books. Um, and I thought, you know, I'm, I'm just going to keep trying this. And that, then we started doing the jewel boxing, which we self published. And I, you know, I think the world's changed so much and I would not have started in self publishing because I think, Hey, discoverability is really, really difficult unless you have a fan base, unless you have something going on. Uh, if you have, so, you know, you're published with certain publishers and then you go to self-publishing, I think it makes it makes it a lot easier. And, um, you know, getting in with Kristen Painter's world was, was great because I mean, she she has her own publishing company and she started. And that's pretty much what I've modeled, what Catherine and I have modeled uh, our publishing on was was the way Kristen did it. Um, and those books sold really, really well. They continue to sell well. And when Kristen, I think it was just, it is a lot of work to do this publisher thing. There's a lot more than I thought uh, when you're doing it for, <laughs> for other people. A yes. whole lot more. A whole lot Eric's more. face right there. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, oh, you're preaching to the choir here. Yeah. You know, we're, we're just, we're just getting into it, but it, it's interesting. And I think you know, you with your experience and stuff, it's, it brings a unique perspective when you're an author that's been through different trials and tribulations coming to it because you come mm -hmm. with the right author view mm -hmm. and, but then you have to put the business view on, which sometimes yeah. doesn't always align with Absolutely. the author view. And it's interesting because it kind of reminds me a little bit of doing HR is that, you know, employees go, well, why is that the thing? And you go, oh, dude, let me tell you the story of why we have to put, do not put metal in the microwave as a policy. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah. yeah. And, I, you know, I'm fortunate that I have had all these different experiences. I've had, 
the agent experience. I've had the publisher experience. I've had the e-publisher experience. I've had the uh, working for someone else who's basically um, self-publishing. So I felt like I, and Catherine also, she, she was traditionally published before, and then we did the jewel box thing, and then she's been self-publishing for a long time. Um, and that, you know, yeah, like, it takes up a lot more of our time and there's a lot more than we expected. But what what Kristen was doing all of this for all these publishers and she was doing it by herself and Catherine and I have each other to, to count on. But so Kristen decided to end the Nocturne Falls universe, which was the guest authored part of it um, because it was just too much. It was just more than she could keep track of and the counting and all that stuff. So, but she gave us good notice. So I made my last book, which happened to be in that series, um, Courting the Cat Whisper, that happened to be like one of the most popular books in the Nocturne Falls universe. Um, but I, I made that book end in Cat's Paw Cove because I knew that this was happening and she was totally cool with that. Um, and it really helped that it was, you know, my most popular book from the series and people just followed you know they followed into uh cat's paw co so it's been it's definitely been a learning experience what you can and can't do and you know we've incorporated and um working with other authors has been an experience we've now done uh we did a holiday anthology with eight guest authored stories that was a learning experience <laughs> so <laughs> every time she says that audience members i just want you to know there was some great difficulty encountered that yes, she's being so nice about <laughs> it was an experience yeah. yeah yes 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 the good the bad and the ugly <laughs> that is awesome let's talk about your fans for a moment okay what are your fans like i have wonderful fans i have um i have some really really great women on my street team who are awesome and they they do my arc reviews and we have several groups. We have a Cat's Paw Cove page and we have a Cat's Paw Cove group and they're great. They're almost all of them are cat lovers because every one of our books features a cat. Um, Catherine and I are, we both have rescue cats and we are just all about cats and it's a popular thing. Uh, a lot of people have cats. A lot of people love cats. Um, so, you know, we have, it's not just like, these are, these are fans that not only like cats, they like the type of romance that we do. They like uh, those kinds of stories. So we have a lot in common. So everybody, every day people are posting like funny cat memes and um, they're, they're great. They're wonderful. Um, I love getting fan mail, you know, that just makes my day, of course. Um, many of them I've kept in touch with for many, many years. And they've been really cool, too. The people that, like my street team and the people who have been with me on, on my Winter Daniels romance author page, um, they've been really cool about uh, jumping the, you know, we're starting with this erotic romance and we're going to this, you know, the different, and, and it's not paranormal. And then we're moving into paranormal and it's not as hot. They've been really, really good about, um, you know, just staying with me. That's very cool. What about reviews? How do you feel about reviews? Um, I feel good about reviews. I've, I have not had every now and then I'll get, you know, a crappy review. I haven't had one in a long time. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yay. Um, you know, I, I, uh, we have a membership to NetGalley and, and we do, um, Booksprout. So I, it's, it's really rare that we now, of course, you know, you can get a hundred really nice reviews, but you get that one that's, you know, not so nice. And that's the one you stay up nights thinking about, right? Instead of those hundred great reviews. Part of the biz, I suppose, you know, I've developed a thick skin. Uh, early on, I had a couple reviews that were not so nice. And um, and they, they just, I found them devastating. But I've moved past that. You know, it doesn't, doesn't really bother me anymore. Um, I really, I don't have... I can't think of the last time I had like a crappy review on Amazon or on Goodreads or something, but you know, I have to, I look at the big picture and if I get a crappy review, I know that it's, you know, it's always the minority opinion, not the majority opinion. So well, I get over it. Yeah, no. And, and, you know, having it all, everything digital, it makes it very easy 
for people to have opinions about things, you know. This is true. This you is know, true. there's there's many opinions that can be had on the internet. Um, I I think that's fantastic. What about um other uh, writers? Do you do conferences? Do you do anything like that to talk and sort of mold and shape? Because you say yeah. you're a mentor, so. Yeah, early on, I was I was a mentor. Um, Catherine and I did. We went to uh, Indie Book Fest last year, and we did uh, we did a workshop on creating your own world and your own publishing company and what that all entails. And um, I do I do like the local Florida things. Like the the last RWA I did, I think was like 2015. Um, that was. Well, the there's a lot of. There's a lot of stuff around that particular bad boy yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah, there is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I've done uh, Indie Book Fest and uh, what was, uh, let's see, I was supposed to do, what was it called? Um, there's one, there's a big conference in, um, it's supposed to be in Cape Canaveral, and it was supposed to be in June, but she just had to cancel that one. And so we're making that for next year. So I, I try to do a couple a year and I usually stay within Florida. Um, I enjoy, I know a lot of writers don't because we're, we're such, you know, solitary workers pretty much. Um, but I'm very social and I, uh, which is why I'm going more, I mean, I'm a stay at home person, but I normally go out to lunch with friends and do all kinds of stuff. So that's, that's just my, you know, making me crazy right now, but I love doing signings. I love doing conferences. I love um, meeting fans and, and meeting other authors and talking about all kinds of stuff. I, I really enjoy that. No, I think, I think it's awesome. It's, it's interesting. I think gone are the days of solitary writers being acceptable in a way. Yeah. You know, I think you have no choice but to interact with your fans and, um, or, or meet people and get yourself out there. Cause whether you're a publisher, an indie author, even a normal author, unless you're in that top percentage of the people that the publishers, you know, super marketing for, yes. you have to do shameless self-promotion. Like shameless self-promotion is the key and get, getting people to, to notice you. Um, I, so I think it, it, it's, it's good that you like doing that because I think when like, you know, growing up, there were people that you, t you talk about and they're these authors and they hide away in these cabins and they write these books and they have a mountain goat, bring it down to their publisher, uh, you know, via you know, <laughs> bandits or something. I, that's a story in itself. I should write that down, but um, you, you, you don't have that anymore. You're not allowed to do that. You have to be the person you have to have social media almost like you cannot yeah. be that person that doesn't interact, even if you have to pay somebody to be your interaction point because you're terrible at it. And some mm -hmm. people just in general, even if they think they're good at it or not good at it, but yeah. um, you have to be there. You have to be ever present mm -hmm. in communicating. Otherwise, um, it, it's just not the same ball game as it was 20 years ago. Yeah, so, that's right? one of the things we had to tackle with some of our, our guest authors. Um, we have a couple that are pretty new and, you know, they're shy and we had to sort of get them over that. And you have the social media is the thing. You just have to interact. Yes. Um, you have to learn how to do that because if you don't, you, you know, you're, you're SOL really. Yeah, no, totally. I, I agree a thousand percent. Okay. We're getting nearing the end here. And so now it's time for your shameless self-promotion. How do people find you? People find me at winter. It's W Y winter Daniels. Um, I'm also on Facebook as Winter Daniels Romance Author. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram, although honestly, it, I just post like videos of my cats uh, on Instagram. <laughs> you, you'll get a 10,000 followers just from that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, but it's Cat's Paw Cove is the series, is the current series. And it's a lot of fun. It's very light. Uh, nothing heavy because nobody needs anything real heavy right now, right? Yes. No, I agree. And if you're at home with your cat, perfect series. Exactly. Perfect series so, right now. Cats Paw Cove is catspawcoveromance.com is uh, our website for, for that series. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on our show. I really appreciate it. Thank you, ladies. It's been a pleasure. It's so nice to see human beings and chat, right? <laughs> we're, we're mostly real. We play real people on TV. <laughs> it's going to be like surrogates soon, like that Bruce Willis movie. We'll send robots out. <laughs>
Hey, I'd settle for a robot now, you know? Oh my gosh, totally. Thank you for being on the show. This has been Drinking with Authors. I'm Erica Lance. J.M. Piquet. And our wonderful guest, Winter Daniels. And we'll see you next time. Yay, thank you so much.